0: Welcome back to another episode of the All Pistons podcast. As usual, my name is Neil Sinha, joined by Vinayak Saroop and Aiden Mulkrone, the usual suspects. And today we're going to be going over the past few games that the Pistons had. And then at the end of the episode, we'll be looking ahead to the Knicks game and the Boston Celtics game that they have later this week. And so this is being recorded right after the Pistons lost to the Boston Celtics, 128 to 112, a very tough game to watch. But, you know, the first thing I want to talk about with this game, Killian Hayes, guys, what a game he had, 16 points off of 7 of 12 shooting from the field. I thought this was honestly his best game of this year and honestly best game since probably that OKC game that he had last year where he put up 29 points or whatever it was. What did you guys see from his game today that was just so intriguing?
1: I think this this game, he, like, he finally hit shots this whole year. He's kind of struggled. I'm just going to read out his stat line for all y'all people at home. He's been averaging a whopping 2.9 points a game, two rebounds, 3.2 assists, 20% from the field, 16% from three. I mean – i mean i think this was the game for him where like the shots went down for him um he's still doing the left-hand dominant things but i mean i guess you like to see the confidence you like to see him just attempt more shots and you know this game was the first game of the season where he attempted more than 10 shots usually it's like three so against the thunder he was two for five cavaliers one for three one for five he's putting up like ben simmons numbers but today was a good day you know he was He's attempting shots in this all I guess at this point you can really ask for. If he's gonna be your bench point, your backup point guard, you kind of want him to like be at least a little bit more aggressive. You know, I, he could learn something from Kojo in terms of just like shooting the ball more. And you know, some nights he'll have nights like this. I mean, there was a lot of things to like. Like he had a really nice finish. He had he had some nice shots from the mid-range, he hit a three point shot. Like, there's some good takeaways from this game, but yeah, I just want to see him shoot the ball more the question is can he do this consistently that's like the key thing for me
2: yeah and I was watching uh the Celtics uh broadcast and they were talking about Killian Hayes and they said that he had the lowest points per 36 minutes of any player in the NBA and it was like five points something and the second to last player was like or something like that and then after tonight it went I checked and it went up to like 10 or like 9.9 so that just shows you how big of a game that was just for him and I think it came from just what was going around I think he could see the writing on the wall about you know Cade like he didn't he played arguably his worst game since like the beginning of last season and then Uh, Jaden Ivey like he took over the game but he was he was inefficient um at times so I think Killian decided to step up and he played with a lot of confidence and that's something we don't see from him almost at all um in the past three years so I think that's something that was uh really good and one you know bright spot in this blowout
0: yeah man I think that you know, we're hitting a point, and we'll talk about another player too later in this, but we're hitting certain points in this rebuild where this team is going to have to decide, you know, this guy is not a part of the future. He simply doesn't present enough value and move on. And I mean, for Killian Hayes, he's in his third year now in the NBA. This Keep in mind, this is a guy who was picked number seven overall in 2020. And he's averaging, coming into this game, he was averaging three points a game. That's just unacceptable. I mean, just straight up, it's unacceptable. And Dwayne Casey, the coaching staff, they know that they're frankly a little bit tired of of what they've been getting from him. And I think Killian's just got to realize that, you know what, you're playing with your career at this point. He has to go out and play aggressive. And that's exactly what he did tonight against Boston. I mean, 12 shots today, like this is, that's big time for Killian Hayes. This is a guy that coming into this game was shooting around five and a half per game. And he put up 12 in this game. And so it just shows you that you got to be confident in your own abilities. You got to be aggressive with the ball and, you know, good things might happen. And, you know, worst case, I think the biggest thing that I would say with Killian Hayes is even if he's really confident in missing shots, at least he has that. And he's showing the aggressiveness. I mean, you guys remember Josh Jackson just, you know, last year, two years ago, whatever. That was a guy who was the number four pick of the 2017 draft, I think. And. You know, dude just – he simply doesn't really have it. But, man, he was aggressive nonstop, night in and night out. And that's one thing that you can respect. They need that from Killian Hayes going forward. It's good to see it happen tonight. But we've seen it before where, you know, he has one or two good games. The whole Pistons fan base is like, oh, my goodness, Killian Hayes is changing. And then, boom, a game or two later, and it's back to the same old, same old. So he's got to just keep it going. And, you know, Aiden, you kind of hit on – um Cade Cunningham in this game that was the next topic that I wanted to transition to with this game recap which is that man Cade had a rough game four points just two assists two turnovers and just three rebounds he was one of 11 from the field very very rough game for Cade kind of in general the team had a lot of open looks today they weren't hitting on anything they shot 21 percent from three 41 percent from the field what went wrong in that aspect
1: I don't I don't know if it's just, like, if it's just for some reason this season, but Cade's shot, like, I'm not going to come here and argue, like, oh, it's different because I think that's just – we can – whatever, right? He's working with the coaches. I don't think they, like, significantly altered his shot, but that three-point shot has almost become, like – I don't know. Kate came into college shooting 40% from three, and, like, this year the three-point shot is just not falling for him at all. I mean, this is not even from the Celtics game. This goes back to even the other games. I know – The Thunder game, he hit a couple threes. But for the most part, like when Cade shoots it, like it's going to be a brick from three. I don't know. And I don't know if that's just maybe he's in a slump right now, which every time I've doubted Cade, it usually it's like a slump and then he gets out of it. We were doubting him early in the season and he goes on to drop like 27, 35. He gets these big games. But yeah, the shots weren't falling. And then that doesn't even go from Cade. That goes to Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bey. The whole team started two for twenty one from the field to start the game. I don't even know like how they were only down by like ten against the Celtics. They honestly should have been blown out, but they were they kept on fighting back Celtics pushed away. but I mean, two for twenty one's unacceptable. I think even the shots like we were talking about, Neil like a lot of them were wide open. These weren't even like these weren't like looks where it was just like, oh, you know. Oh, they were covered. No, these were wide-open looks. You had Bogdanovich missing free throws, like two free throws uh, back-to-back. Isaiah Livers missed two free I mean, it was just it was just a rough start as a team. And if you're Kay Cunningham or just the rest of the team, you just want to erase this one and just go, go to New York and then go from there. I mean, this is a game that's pretty fr- – I mean, Killian had his moment. Of course, Killian has his moment in the game that the team just decides not to show up. But you want to forget this one and go on to the next one.
0: Yeah, let me let me ask you guys this little little quick piece of trivia here. Where do you think the Pistons rank in the league in field goal percentage? Gotta be last. Yeah, is
1: They're it really? Last. It's last, dead it's last be. In this
0: game at 42.5 percent from the field on average. That is dead last. The next closest team is the Houston Rockets at 43.3. So, not point eight different, 0.8 percent of a difference is kind well, of where- big.
2: I gotta ask, where are they at for three point percentage? Cause it's gotta be close to last. Twenty-sixth. Well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. And
1: and then you ask yourself, like, is this there's like a couple explanations for this, right? Is it coaching? Like, is the are the coaching, are the plays that they're calling is just so bad. I'll I'll say I can say like part of it does feel like that. Like for some for some of the moments, like it literally feels like it's just ISO, it's just ISO gang, and like everyone else is just in the corner. But other times it'll feel like the players are just like not good. I don't know. It's like, it's like a balance, right? That they're so, they're so young, but also like the coaching is like, Dwayne Casey has some good offensive sets, but a lot of it is predicated on just ISO. I feel like we have way too many isolation moments, like I would say. So it's like, it's like a balance. Like who do you even put that even blame on? I feel like both, I feel like it has to be both on the coaching and then also like just the level of talent on this team, which I don't know. I don't know how you feel about 30. I mean, we could say Alec Burks is going to come save the day, but uh, it's it's tough out here for sure.
2: Yeah, and I think I'll add on to Cade. I mean, just the whole starting lineup just was not good shooting tonight. And, like, they, yeah, you talk about wide-open shots. I remember it had to be the second or the third quarter where Isaiah Stewart had a wide-open three, and they didn't even go out to try and even remotely contest it. And, you know, that was a shot we heard like the whole offseason that he's been working on and something that you would expect him to knock down. And he just he bricked it. It was just so bad. And yeah, Cade was one for 11 tonight. Like that that's unacceptable. And that it was it was like a put back layup. And you, you just can't have that from a guy who's the leader and the future of your franchise. And I think that's kind of demoralizing and like really tear starts to tear the team down a little bit if he's not hitting you know when it's not his night then everyone else follows and I think that that's partially what happened tonight
0: yeah and you know I just I look at this team man and when you look at the shooting that they have, it's just a problem. Like straight up, th- this has been an issue the last two, three years now for the Pistons. Honestly, you could say it's been an issue for the last 10 years for this team. It seems like they've never had good shooting. I don't know why, but like the best shooter on this team is Bojan Bogdanovic and that's fine. He, he's done a, a hell of a job this year. I mean, he's shooting, I think he came into this game shooting around 46% from three. That's insane. And that'll go down. But like, the only two guys that can make threes consistently on this team is Bogdanovich and Isaiah Livers. But Livers doesn't play that much. And then the rest of these guys, you know, I'm not trying to make just generalistic statements like this, but the rest of these guys can't shoot straight up. Kate Cunningham, it's not working right it's
1: now. Not, it's not there yet.
0: And, and
2: I think, I, I mean, you can you can be like hindsight 2020 or I told you so, but like we, we've all three of us have been Ben Matherin fans for a while and that that's kind of part of the argument of why you should have taken him at four rather than ivy um and i think that that might be the biggest argument at the moment because while ivy is you know he's better at shooting than i expected uh from him as a rookie but it's still like not good enough to get them out of the the bottom five
0: yeah you know and i'm not gonna say right away I don't think anyone should that you know they should have taken Mather and obviously and I know you're not saying that Aiden but like it is a point that you know we said that over the offseason we've been saying that with this team over the last few years that they need shooters it was great that they got Bogdanovich man I can't even think how bad this team would be if Bojan Bogdanovich wasn't here but like the issue is your two guards are shooting around 30% from three. I think Kate after this game is going to be at around 28% Sadiq Bay, who's supposed to be a, you know, pretty darn good shooter is shooting 33% from the field. That's around average. Like, you know, they, they just need better shooters and they're just, they haven't been doing that. That's one, I guess, gripe that you can have with Troy Weaver so far in his tenure, but you know, we'll see. And and one of those players, like we said, Jaden Ivey, he did have a very, very big game against the Celtics. I don't want to discredit him at all. He he would seem like the only one who honestly cared other than Killian Hayes today. Um, Very, very big game for Jaden Ivey, um, for sure, as he finished with 19 points and 10 rebounds. He had, I think, nine of those 10 rebounds in that first half. It was just unbelievable. What did you guys see from Jaden Ivey today?
1: I thought he did just a... Uh like there was a stretch of i think it was it was in the second quarter i think he just did a great job kind of leading the guys you know dwayne casey just said you know what you're going to be the point guard in a sense and he was making plays all over so he was stealing the ball and then leading it back on transition he was hitting three point shots he was even finding players he was making he was doing a lot of stuff with his playmaking and you could feel at least in that moment in the game there was more energy i would say because because that team was, the Pistons were just lacking so much energy. So, in that way, I think Ivy was pretty impressive. I mean, he hit a couple three-point shots, too, which is, like, that's good. I mean, it's good to see, but I'm not, actually, I don't know. I don't have anything negative to say. I thought he played a pretty good game. Like, it wasn't inefficient. I think this is kind of what Pistons fans want to see. But, Neil, I'll I'll say this. We've talked about staggering Uh, Jaden Ivy and Kay Cunningham, and, I think that second quarter stretch just kind of shows where why I think it works. Like I know, K. I know Dwayne Casey said he did it in one game and said it was unintentional because Ivy had the flu or something. But Ivy had a stretch where Cade was off the floor. What do you get? Ivy is dominating uh, dominating the floor. I feel like that's just something that I think just needs to. Ha- they need to explore it more. I know they want to make the two work, but try to get Cade in situations. They try to do that with they take Ivy out and then they put. Killian in and Cade and Killian for the end of the first, but I think even doing it more, like I think Ivy was really good when Cade was off the floor in that second quarter. And I think that's something they could perhaps build on for sure.
0: Yeah. Just to harp on that real quick. I don't know how Dwayne Casey didn't do that from the beginning of the year. For real. Like, <laughs> when, when they drafted Ivy, I told everybody, or I was tweeting about it through our account, like they need to stagger his minutes or with Cade Cunningham. You have two ball handlers who, you know, more often than not like to have the ball in their hands. Stagger those two players. Like obviously, you're going to start the game and end the game with them. But when you put your second unit and third unit, actually not third unit, but when you put your second unit on, put leave one of them on the court, especially with the guys that this team has uh, with their backups, because Killian Hayes is not a scorer. Isaiah Livers is a scorer, but he needs to be uh, – he needs a playmaker next to him to get him open and so on. And the rest of those guys in that second unit are not playmakers or scorers. And so keep one of Kate Cunningham and Ivy on the court with these guys to get that offense going while you have the starters out. And so, you know, I think another, another gripe I have, I don't mean to sound so negative today, by the way, <laughs> this is a young team. And, you know, let's make sure to also realize that at, at certain points, but they have had some, tough blowouts as of recently they got killed by Cleveland and Cleveland didn't have Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland they lost to the Bucks by uh, quite a big margin at the I think two days after they almost beat them actually in Milwaukee and then today they get killed by the Celtics in a game that wasn't ever really too close Aiden are you seeing kind of a lack of effort with this team because I feel like I would say that at times again it's a very young team but like what's going on there
2: yeah, I don't know if it's a lack of effort or it's a lack of focus. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a very young team, so I think that that has to be a factor going into, like, a lot of the younger guys. But I think, you know, Bogdanovich has kind of been the the rock or, like, the glue guy that's kind of just, you know, made them get back in focus. He's been consistent with his, his play all around. And I think, you know, Cade has been – Pretty decent on on defense. That like he's focused that way. That even if he's not playing well offensively, that he's still focused on the back end. But yeah, I think I think, I mean, I feel like the efforts there. Like you can see guys are being physical still. Like like Stewart and you know you can see Bay is like clearly like running up and down the court pretty hard. But I think I think yeah, it's just a lack of focus and especially it's really like hard for a team, like a young team, especially who's losing a lot of games and they're not outwardly tanking, but they kind of, they kind of see the writing on the wall and their expectations, especially against, you know, teams like Milwaukee and Cleveland, who, you know, they want Cleveland wants to compete for a championship, obviously like it's clear with, uh, I mean, I know Garland and Mitchell were both out, but the rest of that squad still, you know, is very solid. And, you know, Milwaukee, same way. Giannis, obviously. Um, so I, I just think that's kind of the issue. I think they they bounce back against OKC with a with a nice dub there. But yeah, playing playing these teams that have established superstars can be can be tough. And it could be, I feel like they could be a little starstruck at times as well. And I think that might have been one of the issues that we saw tonight.
1: Yeah, and I also also say this like the Pistons played the Hawks twice and they played the Bucks twice back to back and I feel like when you do that you kind of set you set the Pistons up for failure in a sense because you know the Bucks the first game they played them so close and it was it was a great game but then you go in the second game the Bucks have all this time to make adjustments all of a sudden like Kay Cunningham's mid-range is just it's gone like you know they just take it away from him and I feel like it it's weird because we're playing we're playing really good teams like we're playing We're playing the Bucs. The Cavaliers are now like first or second in the East. I don't I don't know the standings, but the Cavs are good. The Bucks are good. The Hawks are good. Like and the Warriors too. Like we're playing some really solid teams and we're gonna continue to play solid teams. So you can't get like too mad, but I mean what I guess what can you do? It's young team. It's a young team. There's gonna be inconsistency. I mean, we all predicted them to be under twenty eight or like twenty around twenty eight wins, twenty seven. I don't know what your guys' exact predictions were, but it was in that range, and I feel like they're like progressing towards it. I think as as and we've been saying this too. Like you know, as the schedule opens up, this you're gonna see this team have a better record. Like I think as you get into like the December, January, like once you get towards the later of the season, it'll be easier to see their. Or it'll be the schedule will be easier, so then it'll be easier for the Pistons to get some more some more wins. But for now, they just kind of have to embrace the struggle in a sense because these are tough teams they're playing. I mean, the Celtics literally went to the finals last year. They're gonna have to play the Knicks, who are pretty solid. Like it's, it's a tough schedule. So I mean, we, I guess you can't um, get too high, but it is true. Blowouts. I mean, there's no excuse. You, we should, we should at least try to play them close. I'm, I'm a, I'm okay with a couple blowouts, but when you start stringing them back to back, then yeah, no, it's not a good look.
0: Yeah, and you know, you brought up a good point. The schedule has been very difficult. You know, I think we talked about this on the last episode of why this team would likely be in the bottom five in the league in terms of record after the first quarter of the season. You know, they play some tough teams, man. I mean, already I'm looking at it right now. They've played the top four teams in the Eastern Conference, and they've played a combined six games among those top four teams already because they played Milwaukee twice, they played Cleveland, they played Boston, and then they they played Atlanta twice. That is a tough opener. They also played a Golden State team that I know was losing quite a few games. But, you know, they're they're the defending champs. Like, they've had some very difficult games. It's sadly not going to get too much easier um, in the near future. But I think when you look at December, when you look at the months after that, it gets better. And so it's kind of a situation of, you know, you just got to weather the storm while you can. And it's also a really young team. And then hopefully, you know, we've all said we're very optimistic about the second half of this season for this team. But we'll see what happens. You know, one big thing to keep in mind, by the way, they've been a little bit short with injuries so far this season. They've been without Alec Burks, the you know the veteran who, of course, was a Pistons killer when he was in the Knicks jersey the last two seasons. He is now questionable um, for some of these games. He's you know he had been ruled as out for the first two three weeks of the season over and over and over. That changed to questionable, so that's a very good sign. Marvin Bagley was seen working out in practices and getting quite a bit of reps and then Jalen Duren is back too let me ask you guys this with those three players in mind which of them presents the biggest impact for the Pistons coming back
1: you said of the three love of Alec Burks and Marvin Bat I would probably say Alec Burks um well no that's a that's a tough that's a tough question I'm actually change my answer I'm gonna say Marvin Bagley I feel like this team is really undersized. They don't have many players that are above, that are above like six nine or six ten. You really only have Jalen Duran. Yeah, you literally have Jalen Duran and Nerlens Noel will play, but he's looking looks like looks like he only plays in like garbage minutes or if he's like extremely needed. That just tells you that I don't even think he's ready from his injury. And the Pistons, man, they get, they get. I know, like I've seen the statistics. I've seen Isaiah Stewart's like statistically, he's a good rebounder, but still, like. It seems like the Pistons still struggle to like establish their their paint presence and just getting getting rebounds. Like there's, the other teams get a lot of offensive rebounds, and I think that's just nature of the roster. So I feel like by just having a taller guy out there, um, it'll be it'll be benef- it'll be beneficial for the Pistons. And you saw it against the Cavs. So you know, with with uh, Garland out and then you had Mitchell out, the the Cavs kind of just went all. They went really tall. They had a really tall lineup. And, you know, a team like the Cavs have Mobley and Allen. Like, the Pistons only have Jalen Duren to, like, you know, they don't don't have many tall players. So, I think having a player like Marvin Bagley kind of opens it up a little bit. Also, he's a good lob threat. And he may not be the best defender, but this team needs offense in any form. Jalen Duren is a good defender, but he's not even, like, you know, he's, he's still working his way up to the offense. I feel like Marvin Bagley can just provide that offensive firepower that the team really needs you know they they saw it last season so yeah I'll go with Bagley.
2: I'm gonna go with Burks I think you know we we talked about kind of having those two different lineups and have Ivy run with the twos I think Burks can really open that up and you know he if he play, you know I think he fits in better with Cade um, and you know I think with Ivy you can play Burks if you want and just you know I think Bagley helps Ivy more than if that makes sense like I feel like Bagley helps Ivy more but I think Burks helps Cade more if that makes sense so I think I go with Burks for now just you know get Cade back on track get to where he was because he's kind of had a little bit of slump the past uh two three games
0: yeah I'll go with Alec Burks, I got to agree with you on this one, Aiden. I think that, you know, literally for the reasons that we said earlier, this team is lacking shooting like crazy. They're lacking a little bit of size and they're lacking experience. Alec Burks brings all three. Like he, the last two or three years in the league, the guy is literally shooting around 40% from three. They need that so badly, like so badly with this team. And, you know, on top of that six foot six solid size for a shooting guard or small forward, and he has so much experience in the league. You know, I think he's exactly what the Pistons really, really need right now. And I agree with what you said, Aiden. I think that with that second unit, if they can keep Kate or Ivy on the court, you know, he will be a just big time scorer for this team off the bench. Because they've also been lacking in bench points like crazy so far. You know, I saw a crazy stat today on StatMuse that said that the Pistons starting five has the most, has accounted for the most points in the whole NBA. I saw that too. Five. That's does, crazy. Does
1: that make sense to you? I didn't, I would never, I would have never No, I that. would
0: not have expected. I mean, I would have, you know, if you had asked me about that specifically, I'd probably say they're in the top 10, top 15, because the bench has been really bad. Yeah. yeah, That is crazy. Number one in the NBA for any combination of fives and the Pistons starting lineup. That's crazy. Uh, but it shows that, you know, they have defensive issues which Alec Burks, by the way, also helps with. He's a good perimeter defender. Um, and it shows that, that, again, that bench has just been a killer for this team so far. And speaking of one of those guys on that bench, Hamadou Diallo. You know, before I get into what I'm going to say about Hamadou Diallo, I'll let you guys take the floor. What have you thought about Diallo so far this season? And are you, for him, continuing to get playing time, or in general just continuing to be in a Pistons jersey? No. and the period. No.
1: No, I I don't I think he's getting playing time just as a result of the Alec Burks injury. I think once Alec Burks comes back, I think you'll see a reduction in his minutes. I don't think he's been terrible. Like I, maybe I'm like in the minority. I don't think he was like I wrote in the article in the OKC game, like the Pistons bench is kind of what brought him kind of back into the not back into the game, but the bench played well. And that was largely in due to in due part due to Jalen Dern and Hamadou Diallo. Diallo was just being like a pest on the defensive end and then he was he provided energy I mean he had some nice floaters he's had his, some his bad moments but I feel like for me at least I feel like there's like a lot of other things to blame than than Diallo I think like a player like for example like Kevin Knox was brought in to help with the three-point shooting like he shot like 38 percent from three last year he comes in and he is literally ice cold Like he doesn't even get playing time anymore that's how bad he's been but Diallo still managed to be in the rotation I don't think he's been terrible but I will say I'm I'm a little bit disappointed just because I had pretty high hopes for him I thought he'd be like a pretty big part of the rebuild but I mean what can you do I think I don't think he'll, he should get like I don't think it's like a Josh Jackson team Josh Jackson kind of thing where it's like oh you know you have to get off the team I think like once Burks comes back he'll be we won't really be talking about him that much but um yeah he hasn't I don't think he's been horrible per se but now obviously Neil and Aiden have some different opinions, but I'm so I'm happy to I'm happy to talk about
2: it though. I mean I mean he's definitely different than Kevin Knox because you they signed Kevin Knox for like a Trey Lyles kind of contract, maybe yeah. even a little bit less. Like it was only yeah. two years, like eight or nine million. Like if he gives you anything at all, like that's more than what you yeah. expect. No, but sure. we've been we've been hearing about Hamadou Diallo for the past two years ever since we traded for him. And I think that's the problem. And we gave him an extension and that like, it's just, it is just a project that's dying. And especially, especially since you drafted Jaden Ivy, who is that type of player, but even better. Like, I think you just got it. You just got
0: to let it go.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that's what will happen, right? Like his contract, he's in the second year it's a team option so i think like they'll probably let him go like i don't i feel like it was just like a it's kind of like a win-win right like if he's good he's good if not then oh well like he's going to be off the team at the end of the year um at the very least maybe they would sign him for the minimum but i think like the pistons kind of have that flexibility they can just decline his option and he's off the team but yeah i don't know i don't think like it's like oh you know dial dial's like the worst player on the floor i think like you could make that argument for a lot of a lot of players on this team but uh but yeah, no, Neil. Neil, what's your head at for it?
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's tough because I do agree with you that they brought in Diallo with very little risk. I mean, and and you have to do that in rebuilds. Like you pick up project type players. For example, Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson were great examples of that. You know, guys that you're bringing in for literally two, three million dollars. In the case of Diallo, I think it's around five or six million this year. It doesn't really matter. This team isn't competing anyways. But my issue with Hamdou Diallo is he's shown absolutely zero improvement the last three, four years of his, his whole career in that beat. Yeah. He just, he isn't showing improvement. His shot has literally, in my opinion, it's gotten worse. It just, there's some weird thing with his mechanics. First of all, it's kind of really far in front of his face. Um, It just, he, he like, he jumps really high too when he shoots. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And like he literally has not made a three this year, guys. He hasn't made a three. Granted, he's only taken like five or six shots on the season, but he's had some bad looking attempts. Like he's had a couple games where he's hit the side of the backboard from the corner. Like it's just it looks bad. He from the free throw line, he's shooting 63%. That's not good either for a guard. He's literally airballed a free throw this season. Like, you know, I don't mean to go after a player. I don't want to ever do that. But it just, it isn't there at this point with, with him. And I think, you know, again, no problems. You know, he, uh, he was a guy brought in for, he's a high potential, very, very low floor type of guy. It just hasn't worked out. And I think Troy Weaver and the Pistons need to move on. I honestly think, you know, I'm fine if they want to keep him for the rest of the year and then just don't, don't resign him or whatever. And he just leaves the team. That's fine. But I don't. At this point in the season, once Alec Burks is back, I don't think Diallo should be getting any playing time. It hasn't worked with him on the floor. He's a ball stopper. Um, he shows solid effort. I'll give him that, and he's also pretty confident with the ball too. I'll also give him that. But it just it isn't working, and it's tough to see. But I think they they got to move on. But I would. Would yeah. you agree though? Yeah, that I would. Should agree. he get I, playing time or no?
1: I don't think. I think like. I mean, I think he'll get like. I think he'll get playing time, but definitely be much lower. Like, I think once Burks comes back, I think Burks, like, cause then you have Killian, Burks, Livers, Bagley, and then Durant. So there you go. That's, that's your bench lineup right there. So I agree. I agree. It was like, it was a low risk kind of situation. And I mean, it didn't work out. So I mean, there's nothing really you can do. I do, I do agree though. Like, he hasn't, he hasn't improved as you would like. And that's the thing with young players, man. Like, it's all, you know, potential 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 but a large amount of young players really just don't pan out they just end up being the same player and that's the NBA right so it's like I don't know that's why that's why when people say Weaver's done a bunch of reclamation projects I I think the only one maybe Marvin Bagley but let's go down the list like Josh Jackson gone I don't think he got better I think he just shot the ball more Trey Lyles kind of like I, I don't think He's really hit on this reclamation. Product. I'm I'm glad he's doing it. Like I'm glad he's giving these people opportunities. But um, at the end of the day, they were reclamation product. They had to get reclaimed for a reason. So yeah, it's tough to see. It's tough to see it. But um, no, I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, last thing I'll say on this too is even Marvin Bagley, the sample size is so small. I mean, I don't. There's so many Pistons fans. For that sure. Think, for like, sure. You know Marvin Bagley is the truth. He's the answer. What a great wow. trade by Weaver and what a great extension. He he's barely played in a Pistons uniform, guys. Yeah. Like he played he played at less than fifteen games last year, and so I'm I'm not you know harping after that um, re-signing it at all. I thought it was a good job by Weaver. Maybe the money was a little bit too much, but let let's be clear. It's so early with a lot of these players that it's just so hard to tell how they'll turn out. And I agree completely with what you said, Van There hasn't really been too many players so far under Troy Weaver in terms of trades and these reclamation projects, as you say, that have really worked out because honestly, they're, they're kind of just used as trade bait later down the line. That's fine. You know, that works too, but let's, let's just be clear about that. Um, last big topic I want to hit on um, because I'll be coming out with an article over the next few few days on this again all pistons website check it out um but Jaden Ivy has shot there's something interesting to it do you guys have any big comments on it I guess has, has it looked better than advertised from Purdue I'll ask you that
1: his shot his shot looks so weird to me like first of all his legs like his legs seem to like come inwards and like is his feet when he shoots are like just they just move so they're, they're, it's a lot different than what you normally expect. And then he's also taking it a lot more than I think he did initially. I think it was because I, I went to one of the Pistons games. It was against the Hawks. It was like the second one when K dropped like 35. And in that second half when the Hawks were like kind of beating the Pistons like bad, like they were blowing them out terribly, Jaden Ivey just decided to think, just started shooting threes like he was Steph Curry. And then I've noticed that like he's, he's now like, shooting it a lot more. He's shooting it more than like K. Like he he's, he's shooting the ball like like he's Sadiq Bey out there. Like that's his job to do. And you know, I don't blame it. Like I don't I'm not gonna be mad at it because you know it's good for him. It's his development. But um yeah I mean I don't know. It's like I don't feel I still don't think like the shot is part of his game yet. Even if it goes in, it's just like you're almost just like, oh you know it's one of those when he shoots it like oh no oh no and then it just goes in, you know? You're like so me personally, I don't think I'm, like, sold on his shot yet. But, I mean, he he can keep shooting. Like, if, if that's going to help his development, then go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think whenever you change someone's shot for better, for worse, like, if you're trying to get the hitches out or if it just you, – you're talking about the legs kicking in instead of out now. Like, I think no matter what happens, whenever you change someone's shot, like – their shooting percentage is going to start going down before it goes back up. So I just think that's something that will come with time. Um, But yeah, it, it looks really weird and I don't think it's going to change. I think he just needs to stay in the gym and just work on those shots. I mean, we talked, we're talking about the, the set shots. I think that's something he's, he's got to really improve on, especially after this game tonight where the Pistons miss a lot of wide open set shots. So I think that's just a a general thing rather than just the Ivy thing as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'll give a little bit of a preview of the article that I'll be releasing again later this week or possibly next week. But, um, when you look at the advanced stats and I'm looking at NBA.com, their advanced stats, they've, they've some very cool stats on there with Jaden Ivy there's an interesting trend with his shooting right now. And you can see it, you know, if you're looking closely during the games, you can pick up on it too, which is that he shoots a lot better off of one or two dribbles. And he has this specific little move that he goes, he crosses um, like between his legs to the right all the time, and then carries the ball back over to his left and then takes the shot. And it's usually around two or three feet behind the line. And that's actually, it's a solid shot. Often, more often than not, honestly, I think he hits that three-pointer when he does that. But it's a set routine. And the reason is, when you look at his shot mechanics, Ivy exactly is what you guys said. He has a push shot. So he, he literally, he gets to the top of his arc when he's bringing the ball up in his motion. And he has to reach a certain set point every single time. And he pushes from there. And so in the nba they don't like push shots for obvious reasons it's not great mechanics and we talked about this at, you know before the draft before Avi was drafted to detroit that the shot the mechanics are just off and he's going to have to figure that out and when you look at the advanced stats it shows that because this is through the first his first 10 games he shot 25% on catch and shoot opportunities whereas he shot 35% from these are all from 3 by the way He shot 35% on pull-ups, so that's off a dribble. That's a clear, you know, there's a clear trend there that he's not as great on catch-and-shoot. And And the reason is, in basketball, when you're getting a catch-and-shoot opportunity, more often it's not, you know, you don't have your feet set, and you got to get your feet set and then put up the shot, right? And in the case of Ivy, he has a slower shot, he has a set point release, and he has the push shot. That's something that has to happen All, you know, in a certain routine, he's not great at doing it when he's moving off or when he's rolling into a shot or whatever the case may be. And so I think there's a clear problem there and the Pistons staff needs to address it. I understand that, you know, you don't want to tweak a guy's shot like crazy. But listen, if Ivy figures it out, I tweeted about this today in this game against the Boston Celtics. If he can figure out this shot, good Lord, he is going to be so dangerous in the NBA. Like like seriously, what what would the limit on Jaden Ivey be if he was shooting thirty six percent from three guys?
1: Yeah, you're look you're looking at someone that's probably an all-star all NBA. I type mean maybe player. even John yeah. Morant level, because John, John Morant
0: has had similar problems coming into the league too.
1: Yeah, we're look kind of John Morant level, although I think I think he needs to that that's a John Morant is not you can't even throw John. John Morant is really good, but I think he's he can be in that tier, you know. That shot goes in, and then all of a sudden, you have like a dynamic player. You may, you may have a player that could be better than Kade. I, mean, I don't know if it'd be better than Kade, but he's up there with. I, I would mean, agree, possibly right, because like Kade doesn't have that athleticism. Like, I mean, if Kade's shot is struggling and Ivy's the one who starts hitting shots, I mean, damn, yeah, you got you got an all star for sure.
0: Yeah, and so you know, I think that listen, they can't. It's gonna be hard to do that during this season. You know, you're not gonna see. Ivy's shot just changed like crazy, you know, in one or two games, or you're not going to see some crazy change throughout the season. That usually happens in the off seasons. You know, we saw with Kay going into his rookie year, we saw it honestly, even with K coming into this season, his shot has changed a little, little bit. And so with Ivy, they're going to need to figure that out because, you know, like I said, it's not a smooth motion. It's just a set point release. And it's a little bit of a low release, by the way, he doesn't go forehead up. He kind of goes from his mouth up. And so, they, they got to work on that because, you know, you'll notice if people start if you start watching the games and looking for this specifically, the threes that he makes are always from that one move that I said. It's a James Harden move. I love using it actually in basketball and pick up basketball, but a little cross between the legs to the right and then you carry it over and then put up the shot. He does it all the time and that's when he makes his threes. But other than that, he really struggles from the field. And so. Yeah, you know any any last thoughts on the Ivy shot? Or honestly, you know, you guys can take it wherever you want. I mean, props.
1: I mean, yeah, I want to see more development out of it. I don't mind him shooting more threes. I think he does need the game reps. But yeah, over time, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about Jay and Ivy. I feel like he's shown a lot. Like he shows a lot throughout these games. He shows a lot of hustle. He shows energy when the team doesn't have energy. And he's just it's just good to have that type of player on your team. So. The Benedict matherin Ivy debate will continue to go on, but um, I don't know. Like I feel like long term Ivy is is going to be a great player. Um, now I'm not gonna. I don't want to jinx anything. You know, like we said, we've been through the Stanley Johnsons. We've been through the the Brandon Knights, the Contavious Caldwell Pope's. I mean these. I mean the KCP is not a bad the, the player. Sekou
0: Dumboya, the Seku
1: Dumb I the a better Seku Luke Canar better example. Like, KCP is actually like a starter, which at the eighth pick isn't bad value, I would say, but, um, like, Seku's a perfect, you know, 15 pick out of the league. Like, we've been through a lot, but um, I think Ivy's, I've like, truly the first player the Pistons have had that's, like, actually, like, an athletic, you know, like, they actually have, like, untapped athleticism that I've never really seen the Pistons have, so I'm excited to see his growth, for sure.
0: Yeah, most definitely, and so, before we finish off this episode, um, you know, we want to give a quick shout out. We, we'll, we'll do predictions for the New York Knicks game and the Celtics game coming up um, in a second. But first, we want to give a quick shout out to our social media accounts. Make sure to check us out on there on Instagram, on Twitter. We've been very, very active on there. We love interacting with all the fans. We appreciate all the support that you guys give us. And we're looking forward to doing bigger, better things too. And also check out, again, the All Pistons website, We've been doing a lot of articles on there. There's been a few opinion pieces out and so on. I wrote one, for example, on Cade Cunningham's turnaround to his sophomore season in the NBA. You know, he he looked horrible through the preseason and the first few games of the regular season, but he turned it around like crazy. And then maybe he's turning around back another way. I don't know. But make sure to check out the website, All Pistons website of Fan Nation, of the Sports Illustrated Network, and yeah, guys, so let's get into the very last thing. They're playing, the Pistons are playing the New York Knicks on Friday, and then they have the Boston Celtics the night after at home. So they're at the Knicks, and then they get the Celtics at home. Do they win any of these games?
1: Uh, I think they're going to, I'm actually going to the Celtics game, so I would hope, you know, I would hope, I don't th- I think they're going to lose both the games, but I hope they keep the Celtics game competitive, you know, just for me, just because your boy, Vinox, will be in attendance, I repeat, but <laughs> no, no expectations. I think I expect them to lose both games, but if they won- if they take a game, you know, as Pistons fans, you have to be happy with that for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think they could split. Maybe if Alec Burks comes back for the New York Knicks game, you know, it's a little bit of a revenge, you know, per se. But yeah, I mean, I could I could see them going zero and two. I could see them going one and one. I don't think they'll win both of those games, though.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I don't think they um, win either of them. Unfortunately, I will say I do think you know because these are two tough games at New York. That that's a Knicks team that has given this the Pistons team so many problems over the last year or two. Um, you know, and then they got the Celtics at home. That's a team that was just in the finals that they got killed by today. I think they keep one of those close. I'll say that. And, you know, honestly, as fans, that's all we want to see. You know, we want to see this team showing development with their young guys and just trying to be competitive or as competitive as they can be. And so let's just hope for that. Um. And, yeah, man, you know, I guess, hey, one bold take I'll give, actually, in the next two games. I think Killian Hayes um, has a solid game. In one of these next two games maybe maybe it'll be boston just because he did tonight against boston but i'm I'm rooting for him i hope he has a solid game kind of like he did tonight
1: yeah uh we'll be so happy if he if he does something you know if he he's just he's, he's like a kid now to the fans he's it's just like the son that you want to like <laughs> it's a son that you expect so much from but he continues to disappoint you know if he does anything <laughs> he does anything hey, it'll be, it'll be exciting <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm. we're all rooting for him. You know, we're not going to bash him. Hopefully he has a big game for sure.
0: Most definitely. And that will conclude this episode of the All Pistons Podcast. As we said earlier, check us out on the social media accounts, on the website, everything. We really appreciate all your support. If you're still listening to this episode, you're really a true one. And we'll be back. We're, we are, again, I know we've been saying this, we're trying to upload Every Monday, we'll try to get into a routine of that. Um, So be on the lookout for future episodes as well as possible collabs. I will say that right now. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for future episodes and we'll see you next time on the All Pistons podcast. Like
1: and subscribe.